can't begin to describe how I feel right now. I am blown away. I am blessed by the, the worship, our time. I just feel full of the Lord in the moment. Praise God. So I want you to turn to your, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14. What a blessing. There is no restraint. I get the feeling that probably everybody in this place has read this. Um, and I'm not going to cover anything new, but I'm going to cover something that we need reminded of. And we need the call of God back to and remembrance to, no matter what we're dealing with in the world we're in right now. Father, thank you right now, Jesus. I'm so full of the joy to be able to worship you. Lord, I am so full of the joy to be able to be in this place with brothers and sisters and fellow believers right now. God, I am so moved by the fact that, God, everybody in this place has their part in this uh, orchestra of worship to you. Lord, our lives are yours. Lord, in the frailty of our human bodies and the limitedness of our own minds, Jesus, we belong to you. What a privilege to be called a son of God, to be born into a kingdom. Lord, we had no other part but just to be adopted into that kingdom. And so today, Lord, I just pray that every one of us understand that we can all say, Abba, Father, that you are our God, you are our Father. Lord, today we are uh, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And Lord, if we can just but tap into and come to the realization of what that means, not on a human level, but beyond, Lord, our own understanding, God. And we just pray that you would illuminate and bring understanding and revelation to us today so that we can receive the fullness of the things that are written in the Word of God. Not in a way of teaching our minds, but in a way of enlivening and living our spirits and lifting them up to you, Jesus. So that, God, that you would get everything that you, Jesus, you died and you were resurrected and you gave of yourself. Not so that, Lord, you could give us less than what would glorify you, but everything that would magnify you. And so, Jesus, we pray for, Lord, our lives to just be a, an instrument, a, a revelation of the glory of God. And, Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you would hide this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of man. Give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you guys have realized this already, but I'm fired up. I'm all excited. I love, I love the presence of the Lord. You know, I just, I, sometimes I come to a prayer meeting and I'm like, oh, folks, I know, you, you know, I'm thinking they don't want to listen to me pray for an hour, so I'll just go by myself and spend my time just pouring out my heart to God. But I'm thankful for what God's doing. The Lord has blessed me this week. By His presence, the Lord has revived me through His work. And sometimes, you know, you don't see what go, you know you only see what goes on up here. You don't get to see the rest of James's life. So I'm just thankful that the Lord has taken away some clouds off of my mind, off of my spirit, given me liberty and freedom that I've just been needing, um, just like you guys do, just like you guys do. So praise God. I got you there in 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm probably actually not going to start in 14. That's actually where we're actually dealing with mostly, I think. So anyway, two things God has ministered to my heart this week. Um, and the one was on Friday when I came in to pray. And I love that time. 
I just got to tell you, I love that time to pray. I'm so thankful for those times to pray. And while I was praying, the Lord put them on my heart. And this is what I felt like he shared with me, that I'm an armor bearer to the ministry of the saints. You know, I was struggling with the focus, the idea of being a pastor, because I felt like my heart was to be the armor bearer to the pastor. But I never really thought about until the other day when I was praying about this, that God didn't change that. That I was supposed to be an armor bearer despite. I'm an armor bearer to the saints. And when that hit me, I was thinking, you know, every one of your lives, are you're a ministry of, of Christ. It's an extension of the ministry of Christ in every single individual here. And all I'm to be is an armor bearer to your battle. Whatever God's got you in, and I don't know if that's just in prayer. I don't know if that's encouragement. I don't know if it's in the way that I'm going to be preaching here on Sundays. But I do know this, that God's given me a new vision and a new heart for you guys just in that time alone. And I was like, Lord, I can do that. I can do that. I know what it's like to sit there and see a pastor burdened and broken over something in the ministry and just want to be his encouragement, want to be his armor bearer and pray for him in those moments and not to be there to his discouragement. And there's many discouragements that they go through. But in that moment, I'm like, Lord, I just want to be that encouragement. I want to be that shelter in prayer. And, you know, the other day I got to be able to pray with Micah. And, uh, and he was like, after we prayed, he's like, man, I miss praying with you. I miss praying with you. And I felt the same way. And it's like, you know, that's where the heart of God is. It's just to be that armor bearer. Not to be, so I'm like, so you guys are the Jonathans. In this story, in this scripture, you're Jonathan. And that's, I want to continue to see that image of you as the Lord just brings you again and over and over again. And there's individuals, obviously I didn't get to pray for everybody on that day, but I got to pray for some of you. And I just really felt like the Lord encouraged my heart in that time of prayer. So that's the first one. The second thing that the Lord ministered to my heart is God designed ministry to be an overflow of our union and relationship with Christ. And I think we probably know that, but I needed that. I needed that. And I can't help but feel like that some of you need that today. Is that your life, you know, this when you're in a situation like this, where it feels like sometimes you've got to perform. It's like, well, everybody came they don't want to be disappointed today, right? And so I get into that place. I'm afraid. I'm getting stuck in the performance mentality. And I don't have the touch of the Lord on my spirit. I don't have that enlivening move of God in me. I just went through something, struggled through the weekend. I'm facing the difficulty of, Lord, I don't want to go to church today because I don't feel like I have what you want for them. Literally. And so I needed that touch of the Lord upon my heart. And Jesus was just saying, and I felt like that. Just come and worship me. Just come and spend some time with me. I was grateful for my time with Mike on Monday. Will, you missed it, brother, but you'll enjoy the, the one for this Monday. <laughs> but we, we, we shared about the, 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 the Lord said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I needed that for this week. I needed it. My brother encouraged me this week and gave me something. And I gnawed on that and chewed on that until the Lord just brought the revelation of, Something so precious to me, and I said it to, in that time, was I used to have, uh, back before James was a really godly man, right? I used to experience the same troubles everybody else did, and my mind was language. I had the most filthy mouth, other than maybe my dad at the time. And I, I remember, I just got into that place where I just prayed. I just worshipped the Lord. 
I just spent time before him until I got so lost in the presence of God over and over again that I remember one day walking out in my lawn and I had this revelation. This thought passed through me. When was the last time I said a dirty word? It's just like it didn't dawn on me that I had been so transformed that I didn't even realize the transformation and changes had taken my place until just that moment. And that brought me back to, and I felt like the Lord was reminding me of that this week, is, James, the call is not to minister. The call is to be with me. I am your calling. You know, people say it over and over again. Are you called to the ministry? And I love what Paris Reedhead said in one of his sermons. He said, you're called to Jesus Christ, and He leads you into ministry. Because otherwise, if, if the ministry is my calling, then I get all my fulfillment and my hope and my strength And everything I need out of the ministry. And I know that's not true. I know the ministry doesn't feed me. Sometimes it drains me. But Lord Jesus, you're the one who feeds me. And you're the one who keeps me going. Anybody else feeling like I am right now? Praise God. Amen. So go to 1 Samuel 14, verse 7. I love this. The story of of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And his armor bearer looks at Jonathan in this moment and he says something to him that I want to be able to say to you. And his armor bearer said in verse 7, Do all that is in your heart turn you. Behold, I am with you according to your heart. Isn't it wonderful that it's possible? I believe a lot of people are sitting in pews and in churches all over this country. And one of the things I believe they're probably asking is, where is the pastor's heart? It seems like today we've gotten things all messed up in ministry and the focus is the pastor is supposed to be the one who is the Jonathan and you guys are supposed to be his armor bearers. And I love the saying that I heard a long time ago was that the, uh, the pastor is God's blessing to the church. I pray that's real and that's true. Is he supposed to be the blessing to the church? And so I don't want to mess this up And so I want to be able to say to you today, do all that God has put in your heart. Do it with all your might. And I'm going to stand behind you. I'm not going to watch you do and go out into the battlefield and the warfare and into the ministry that Jesus has called you in and just watch you go do it. Just just be your cheerleader off the sideline. I'm going to get on that, 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 that playground, that battlefield with you, and I'm going to go up to bat for whatever Jesus is doing in your life. I praise God for the joy in your spirit. I praise God for the health in your spiritual life. I am so thankful for the ways that you've ministered to us, but I want to step back and be able to minister to you in some of those same ways because I know there's people that are saying, Lord, I have a hunger for the call of God on my life. I have a hunger to serve Jesus in a special way, but I don't feel like there's a ministry that's backing me. I don't feel like there's a man of God who's praying for me. I don't feel like the pastor gives a care about the things that are going on in my life. And so I do deeply care, except for the fact that I realize I'm struggling with my own limitations. As much as I want to be there for everybody, I can't always be there in the way that I want to be. But I think Jesus accepts that when we pray. That's why I think prayer goes beyond the limitations of our human capacities. Because when I say, Lord, do your will in their life, that means when I'm not there, He is able to do everything that's needed in that moment. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow, I am all fired up. 
So I, I felt over years this, this desire to embrace um, the pastoral ministry, the ministry of men that are struggling just to be able to minister. And I wanted to be, instead of your minister, their ministry, that they needed to minister to me. When I went into my internship, we were ministering with Pastor Angelo and Light of the World Church. And I remember the internship, the, the, uh, the other intern with myself, we had decided that when we got into this internship that we wanted to be no burden to this ministry. We wanted to lift the pastor and his wife. And there were times that we could have. Like he said, you can come over to our place, borrow the canoe or the kayak and just row out into the lake or whatever. And we were tempted to do it at times, but we thought this is their day off and they need a time of rest. And so I, the Lord had been birthing in my heart for a long time ago this call to be an armor bearer, this call to bring rest and strength to the ministry in some way. And so I want to continue just to look at this in a whole different light. The, and I think pastors need this, is that the ministry is sitting right out there. What you guys are doing every day of the week for Jesus, when you're, I mean, imagine, here, just try and reverse that, and James is going to do all the ministry this week. What a foolish plan. But the reality is there's so many of you already doing something for Jesus and the encouragement to that. What a blessing. So I want to be that more so now than I've ever been. Um, do all that is in your heart. I love this armor bearer because he's almost like, it's almost like you don't even see the, the importance of what he's doing until you get a little bit more of a grasp of the wholeness of this story. If you read the rest of what's going on, this is amazing to me because God literally, He decides, uh, let me give you a few of the, the, I'll probably come back to some of these, but some of the details here. Saul had 3,000 people that he was dividing out in his army. And 2,000 of them went to him and 1,000 went to Josh, Jonathan, his son. What a father, what a great father, right? So... <laughs> He's only got 3,000 men. And now they're being... They, they, Jonathan goes out with his 1,000 men and, and begins to do something. He breaks up the, the garrison of the Philistines and he begins to win a little battle. And then they all start talking. And when they, they get to talking, they get together and say, okay, now enough is enough. And they bring them all out. And this is 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen against 3,000 against 3,000 of God's people. And in verse 6 of chapter 13, it says, And when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. So basically, this 3,000 men looked over this huge army of Philistines and they said, we can't do this. We're not going to try. This is Now think about this. When you think of this, 36,000 men armed for battle. Just, just take away the chariots, take away the horses, and just think about the massive men here against 3,000. That's 12 to 1. 12 to 1 odds stacked up. And then it, you think that that's bad enough? It's like, wow, wait a second. We got this 12 to 1. Then in the same chapter, sandwiched between verses 7 and 14, maybe even 15 here, 
we hear the story. God just tells Saul, you're rejected. You were told what to do. You're not obeying my commands. And now I'm sending somebody else in your place. So their leader has lost the touch of God on his life. The whole of their people, they're way overwhelmed. They go and hide themselves. And in verse 15, look in verse 15, and Samuel rose. Oh, wait, wait a second. Let me make sure I'm there. Yes. And Samuel rose and got him up from Gilgal into Gibeah and Benj- of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him. Did you notice this? About 600 men. It went from 3,000 to 600. And you're like, well, were there anybody with Jonathan? No, because Jonathan and his armor bearer had split. There wasn't a Jonathan and his armor bearer in that moment. This is an important picture to paint because we realize, and it actually talks about, I think it's here in the first, first verse. Yeah. And now it came to pass upon the day that Jonathan and his son of Saul said to the young man, the bearer's armor, come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. That is on the other side. But he told not his father. This is what I'm seeing in, in that, that, that story. Is Jonathan saying, even out of 600 men, there's not a one of them that's ready to do it God's way. There's not one out of this 3,000 and even out of the 600 that's still with Saul that's not hidden that is still ready to do it God's way. So I wrote, this, I wrote this statement down. We need to discern what is the ministry. So we're caught up here in the warfare and we need to know what is the ministry. So go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Verses 23 and 24. So before all of this is raining down with with pain and fire and struggle upon them, this is what God was speaking through Samuel to the people of Israel. And he said, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart For consider how great things He has done for you. That's the ministry. All we're basically saying to the people of God, just turn to Him with all of your heart. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. I don't know what your devotional time is. But sometimes even when you get that Bible open and you get somehow on your knees, it's still dry as the dry can be. And and you need another refreshing from the Lord. And so it's not about just doing my duty and coming to church or doing my duty anymore. But I need the Lord's touch on my life. And that's the ministry. So basically the warfare that we're going through and what we're going to go through is so that we can have the ministry. Because I'm going to tell you something. If there's a place that anything that's going to happen, if anything's going to happen in God's church, there has to be this one thought that passes through our mind if the ministry of Jesus is actually going to happen in our churches, in our communities, then you better, beware, you better be sure that the devil is going to do everything he can with all the arsenal of hell to fight against the ministry of Christ. If we just want to have a formula and a format, he doesn't even have to come. There's no attack to the door. He's like, they've already done my job. Second thought I had here is, 
So we need to discern what is the ministry. And then we also need to discern what is the warfare. 1 Samuel 13 and 2. I think I probably already went to this, but let's go to it again. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 2. And Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof were 2,000 uh, were with Saul in Michmash and in the Mount of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan and Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. And then also in verses 5 through 7, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. So we need to discern what is the warfare. And I just want to say this is that if we've gotten the mentality today that, uh, let me just say this, the odds are against us in the natural. If what we're basically saying is, is that I don't need the Holy Spirit and I don't need the, the, the power of God in my life and I don't need Jesus at work in a supernatural way, you are already against odds. You're stacked 12 against 1 easily. You've lost the power of your leader. And now there was one other thing that I forgot to mention. It says that they took all their like farm equipment and they were trying to sharpen it up, their mattocks and their axes and stuff, because they didn't have a, uh, an iron worker to be able to make swords. So they didn't even have battle weapons. In this whole picture, this is everything that's going on. We have to realize the odds are stacked against us. There is no winning the war unless you're close to Jesus. There is no getting over the struggles spiritually in our homes, our families, our jobs, the world around us, everything that we're seeing, unless Jesus is the middle of it. Another thought I had when I was thinking this, this is just a little side note, but warfare requires our opposition. If you'll notice something here, is that these guys, they said uh, in verse... Let me go back here to 13. So after some had hid themselves in verse 7 in chapter 13, and some of the Hebrews went over to Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilead, and all the people followed him trembling. So this is the makeup of it. They didn't. There was no opposition. The enemy didn't have any opposition in their life. There wasn't any. They were struggling, they were, they were hiding, or they were following, trembling. But there was no opposition. So what I want to say there is this. I've heard some people say this. Oh, the devil's attacking. I've heard that word. How, how many of you have heard that? The devil's attacking. I've heard it over and over again. You know what sometimes captures me? Is I get strongly the sense in many of them, you're not in opposition. He's attacking and that's the reason why you're losing. Because there's no opposition. Jesus said it this, the scripture says it this way. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Why is he always attacking you and you can't seem to get over the struggle? Maybe because there's no real spiritual opposition there. So I've seen that and I've witnessed it. And I think it's important that we help people realize that warfare, there's a difference from temptation and struggling in sin and warfare. Warfare is, I'm fighting back. They weren't fighting back. I'm just going through a few of these because I had already said some of them. So they were outnumbered, had a failed leader, and no weapons. 
But what did they have? What do we have right here in this church? They have the Lord. I love that because that's exactly. They had a Jonathan also. In other words, somebody who is tied to Jesus, tied to the Lord, okay? Some people see warfare, others see God. That's what I want to say about Jonathan. I pray that that's the church that we're in here today, that you don't see the warfare. You don't see the struggle. You don't see the opposition. You see God. So there's going to be times in our life we're going to say, this seems like this person, I can't get through to them. I can't win in my family situation. I don't know what it is, but you're going to be able to say, I see the warfare or I see God. First Samuel Verse, chapter 14, verse 6. Jonathan said, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Now, I want you to capture this, because you'd think that there was doubt there, but listen to what he says further. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. See, maybe it was just Jonathan and maybe it was just his armor bearer. Out of 3,000 people that caught the reality, this one focus, he says, I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but I do know this. I do know that the Lord can save by many or he can save by few. Otherwise, why would Jonathan put himself on the front line with just him and his armor bearer? But what I get out of this is, and I'm sincere, I want to say this. If there is just one or two people that have a unified mind about who God is, they're more powerful than 3,000 people who don't get it. The focus is a unified body of believers, even if it's just two of them. I think that's why Paul in his epistles stressed so much that he said, I would have you be of one heart and one mind. And you read it when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts and it said they were of one heart and in one accord and of one mind. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, there's a oneness of heart. There's a oneness of mind that has to happen in order for that to take place. And so we just see two of these individuals and he gets his armor bearer together. And and I think the reality is he's, I can't bring my father into this. And there's not out of 600 men, one other man capable of doing this with me. It's just me and my armor bearer that are going to go up. And he's not even saying with certainty that God's going to deliver them. I love this man because he's saying it doesn't matter if God delivers us. All that matters is that we believe in him. That we love Him. That we worship Him. He can let us bury in the fire. He can let us be killed in the midst of this. But I'm not walking with these men. I'm not going to live with the unbelievers and those who are distressed and perplexed as if there were no God. But there's a mighty God. Mighty to serve. Mighty to love. Hold on to Him and give your heart to Him. And I think that that's the message of today. There's all kinds of people. There's conspirators right now. This is the best time. Perfect pandemic mode of conspiracy and there's a thousand of them around and I'm just asking myself the question how many are still preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified in the midst of this I'm not afraid to die 
You catch me in a moment of worship and that, that time when Jesus is real to me and I don't give a care about what happens here. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the time when Jesus lets, liberates me from the, liber, the struggles and the limitations of this body. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. We're just looking to the Lord. I wonder how fanatical this is. And to picture the image, I pray for this kind of Christianity today that says, I don't give a care if there's 36,000 men or not. It doesn't matter how many. It doesn't matter the odds that are stacked against the believer right now. The unbeliever, that's a different story. But for the believer, the one who's given to Jesus, they have the same thing Jesus said. He said, you could do nothing to me except my Father had granted you the power. I love the story of the three Hebrew men as they're getting ready, prepared to enjoy the Lord in the midst of the fiery furnace. And they just simply said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Whether our God delivers us or not, we will not bow to the images. We will not live for this world. We're going to live for God. And they're basically saying, we're going into the, this fire with the testimony that there's nothing you can do to, to break our dependence and commitment to God no matter what happens. And I believe there's a need for that in Christianity today. Because if there's one problem we're having, everybody expects God to give them a miracle, but they will not submit to His authority in their life. They'll make claims of Him without letting Him have their claims, His claims over them. And it's such an important part. Lord, You have all claim to my life. I'm willing to live for You. I'm willing to die for You. You have my life. I'm Yours. Let it be so in Jesus' name. God needed only two with one mind and one heart. That's all He'll ever need. He just needs a small group of people. I love what it says about the disciples. He said, these 12 men turned the world upside down. And they're still turning the world upside down because there isn't anything that's ever been said that's more wonderful and more majestic than the things that the disciples had written. <clears throat> so who am I? I hear this oftentimes. I've heard it just recently. People say, we need to know who you are in Christ. How many have heard that? I've got a different way of looking at that. And I'm not saying that we're not, God hasn't done something in our life. And don't get me, misunderstand me. But I just think that the real focus is not who I am, but just, just Him. Who is He? The devil doesn't need to look at me and go, oh, it's James. Or Mike and go, oh, it's Mike. He's a real Christian man. Or Will back there. You know, Will. You know, of course. He's going to look at Will and go, oh, it's Will today. Will. Uh-uh. It's... I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? I'm a nobody. The reality is, is that the reason why hell trembles when you come around is because Jesus is inside of you. Because He's your God. That's why they could say, Paul, I know, because He's the same, He's in the same Spirit. He's walking with Christ. There's a lot of Christians who cannot have that claim over their life. They're trying to figure out who they are in Christ without just figuring out who Jesus Christ is. We just pray to Him and He does the work. So not my identity, just His. There's a beautiful song, I love it. We listen to it oftentimes in our home by Casting Crown, and it's just nobody. It says this, the lyrics go this way, I'm a nobody just trying to tell everybody 
about somebody who saved my soul. Isn't that the real truth? Not I'm a somebody or who am I? I'm a, and in one portion of it says, when the devil comes around saying, who, who do you think you are? And the song goes this, I'm just a nobody, just telling everybody about somebody who saved my soul. That's how we answer the devil. I'm not a Christian, I'm a nobody. That's how we say, because we're recognizing him, not ourselves. Not what he's done in us, but who he is despite us. Now, has God done something in us and we can say there's a new identity? Absolutely. Am I not the same sinful wretch that I was? Absolutely, I'm not the same sinful wretch. But still, there's, there's nothing of me, only him, that I want to make the focus on. And so here we, we hear some of these, these sayings, Moses, my servant, David, my servant. That's somebody who's recognized not as somebody, but as a servant. And we are servants. God works through our yieldedness. Our yieldedness. Spiritual battles are won supernaturally, not naturally. So go to 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 15. Dang it, I'm going to give you the Pentecostal message that reaches beyond the 45 minutes I'm dedicated to, right? Nobody says you can't leave when you want to. <laughs> Uh, let's see. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 15. And there was a trembling in the host in the field among all the people and the garrison, uh, uh, the garrison and the spoilers, uh, spoilers. And they also trembled and the earth quaked. So that it was a very great trembling. Listen, this is like, so what happened here was they come up and they defeat 20 men. And the rest of them, out of 36,000 people, they start drawing swords against one another. What do you call that? I call that supernatural. I call that a power of God bringing confusion like nothing we've ever seen in our life. So what does Saul do? He's so out of touch, he starts numbering the people. There's such chaos, and he's like, what's going on? Let's number the people. And he finds out that Jonathan and his armor bearer are gone. And it takes him almost forever to get the army together and said, let's start pursuing and do something about this. But the sad reality was that Saul even began to say, he told them, he said, now that God's bringing us victory, nobody can eat a thing until we've, we've basically possessed our enemies. Until basically the people were so hunger-driven that they had actually uh, eaten the animals live and raw, like just cutting them open and eating with blood. They were so hungry and starved. And Jonathan was the only one who had eaten of the honey, and he was so revived from it. And Jonathan said this. He said, "Did you? if, if all the people had been able to eat freely, I'm going to come back to that. If all the people had been able to eat freely, we would have had a greater victory. I'm going to get back to that. <laughs> so the spiritual battle was won supernaturally. It wasn't because... God gave great power to Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they both went together and just killed every single one of these men. It was that God brought supernatural confusion and broke the streak of hell over them. Praise the Lord for these kinds of testimonies. Because sometimes, folks, we can say, and I want you to look at this very clearly, because as, as an armor bearer to you guys, I'm going to say, that I know there's going to be times you're going to look at your life and say every odd that could be stacked against me is right now. And I am feeling like I'm broken down. I can't encourage myself in the Lord. 
I don't know what to do in this circumstance. And you're going to have an armor bearer that's going to stand up behind you. And he's going to say, thou mighty man of valor, go pursue. You woman of God, go pray it out. God's going to be a victorious God for you. He's going to show you his testimony through this. I know it's a struggle, but the Lord is with you in the midst of this. So ministry is an overflow. I said that was the second thing God told me. You're like, oh, don't tell me he's going to preach this message as long as he did the first one. I don't know, but praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 14.30. This is where I'm going to go to that scripture that I told you about. I told you I was going to come back to it. How much more if happily the people had eaten freely the day of the spoil of their enemies, which they found? For had there not been now a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. And I just want to say this. I'm just touched by this thought. Eat freely. Can you just think about all the places in Scripture that says, come, ho, everyone that hungers and thirsts, let him come and buy and eat without money and without price. You're going to come and get without having to give. You know, sometimes I think we think of prayer as the give time. Lord, i got to give my time to you. And it's really the time where you get the download. And so when I was sharing with you about the ministry as an overflow, is what God wants to do is he wants to provide himself and in him and your union with him is your victory. So Jesus, this I want to say a few things here. Everything we do should be blessed by our time with Jesus. You know, look at Joseph in Egypt, and you'll see the same repeat over and over again in Scripture in your life. Joseph in Egypt, he sold into slavery, and it said that everything he did was God-blessed. And so whatever he put his hands to, the Lord prospered. And you see in his life the singular focus, not how to try and, and be a good enough slave, not how to be a good enough Christian, not how to make it in the land of Egypt. I'm sure Joseph didn't think in his mind, how am I going to be able to put myself in position to get Pharaoh's blessing and his approval and his favor? I don't think that was Joseph's mindset. I think that Joseph had a singular focus and that was a, it was a God focus. Loving and worshiping the Lord with all of our heart is our calling. I don't want to tell you anything else. I don't want to say that there's any other plan for your life. To worship God with all of your heart is your calling. When you're at home, when you're at work, wherever you are, worship Him with everything within you. Look for beyond. Go beyond the song that you sing and go to that place where, Lord, I'm being able to sing with all of my heart. And it's beautiful to sing with all of your heart. It's a refreshing to be able to give from the abundance within. Our greatest opposition to hell will be our like-mindedness, zealous love for Jesus. It's not that we're like-minded about how, how many, what kind of instruments we play in church or what kind of music we play in church or we're like-minded about how we spend the money that God has brought into the, the church or any of those things. The like-mindedness is, is that we are equally, well, not equally, but we're all very zealous for love for Jesus, and the outflow of that is the byproduct of that love. I'm not trying to be a, a better man of prayer. I just incidentally become that man of prayer because I love the Lord passionately. I love the Lord fervently. 
And this is what happens in the Jonathans of today. I don't know what churches we can say are the Jonathan churches, but those are the Jonathan churches who passionately love Jesus together. If you are satisfied with Jesus, you will never struggle to be ministers. If you are satisfied with Jesus, you will never struggle to be ministers. Folks, I believe you came here to this church today because you were praying. And there's days you haven't seen it. There's days that I know I didn't give it. But there were days that I got up here and I went through dry formality and I bet it was just distasteful. I believe that sometimes all that any of us really want to come to is please show me the overflow of what's happened in your devotional life this week. I mean, I just got touched by Jesus so that when we dismiss from here, oh, folks, you don't know how much I'm just itching to just get back into His presence, just to be with the Lord in the moment. And so I believe that that is the call of ministry. If you had to step up to that place of like, Lord, how am I going to be able to perform for people? Please don't. I'm serious. Please don't. Get locked into it. I know the bondage of it, and I know you probably have too. Don't get locked into just trying to be the pastor or the music worshiper or the the ministry leader, the youth leader, or any of that, or trying to be that for my family, that godly example. Don't get locked in it trying to be professional. Just get locked in it loving Jesus with all of your heart. And you're going to look weird. You might be strange to people. You might be loud-spoken, overspoken, and crazy as far as they're concerned. But they love to see the real zeal of a person who just loves Jesus. That's all that really matters when it's all said and done. And then let the Lord do the rest of it. And let everybody else get so passionate in love with Jesus. The same thing, because then everything you do. Yesterday was one of my dream days. And you're like, well, what did you do on your dream day? My dream day consisted of pretty much outwardly doing nothing of all that importance. But I had two things that happened to me. One guy just drove up out of the blue. And he asked me while I was trying to finish up uh, working on somebody's car a little bit, just trying to check the fluids in it and make sure that we were leaving it back to them the way it was supposed to be. And he asked me this question, are you still at that church or um, ministering at the church or are you uh, the mechanic? And I was like, well, I'll never tell you I'm the mechanic. <laughs> and so he just uh, mentioned that he's like, my, my wife and I should still come to church. And he gave the Lord. He gave the Lord an offering. And I was like, what a blessing just to stand there, somebody to drive up and say, I want to give the Lord an offering today and I want to come to be in the church. And I thought, you know, that man doesn't want to come to watch somebody who's doing the formality. He just wants to see the reality. And so then uh, then I had one other one and I had this text and the person had said, I'm so grateful for what God's doing in my life. And I see, he said this, he said, I'm ready to give my life to Him. I'm ready to give my life. The Lord has been doing so many wonderful things. And I'm like, Lord, there couldn't be anything better right now. And what did I do to earn that? What did I do to position? Nothing. I didn't do anything. Sometimes you pray so hard and it doesn't come. And you just get in love with Jesus and all of a sudden it happens. It happens. So I want to pray that I will be a good armor bearer for those who want to love Jesus. You just want to follow the Lord's will for your life. Because God's going to do some miracles behind it. I think the one thing that's stopping the work of the Lord and the, the Holy Spirit is just simply this. Why don't 
people make me their first love? Why have they let go of their first love? And that's what I remember about my high school years. Sometimes you'll hear me and it's like, why does he always go back to high school? I'll tell you why. Because those are some of the best years of loving Jesus. I'm not kidding. I went through some crazy stuff in school. I experienced some, some difficulties. But you know what? They weren't that bad because Jesus was there. And I found my place just there. And he was always taming, taming my heart and giving me that. And I was just so thankful, Mike. I'm so thankful for that reminder. That's all there really, really is. And when we love the Lord, we don't have to be bound by how hard it is to obey Jesus, how much I've got to work at trying to be more faithful. Why is it that I just struggle to be able to pray? How come it seems like my Bible's just, it's like a book that collects dust for the week because I just don't know how to get into the Word of God. And we don't have to go to YouTube anymore. We don't have to watch somebody else's, somebody else's anointing into our life. We get to experience God's personal anointing in us. And He makes you His own child in a very special way. So praise God. I'm just wanting to be that armor bearer today. Pray the Lord will continue to give me that blessing in your life and that you will give me that favor because I know that not everybody has the right to do that. You know, not anybody's going you're going to call to be an armor bearer. You're going to ask somebody who will be faithful. And I pray that the Lord will give you to be an armor bearer to somebody else. Maybe we call that mentoring. I'm not sure. So praise the Lord. Uh, let's have the worship team come up. And this is our opportunity to worship. Got a great